welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with me, Susie Chase. Hi, my name is Katie Workman, and my new cookbook just out is called Dinner Solved. Your new cookbook, Dinner Solved, is filled with 100-plus recipes designed to be doable, crowd-pleasing, comforting, flavorful, and family-friendly. All of your recipes are super flexible. Can you talk a little bit about your fork-in-the-road method? Sure. The fork-in-the-road method is designed for each recipe so that you can make a recipe up to a certain point and then separate some of it out and go in one direction and take the rest of it and go in a different direction. So, for instance, maybe you have somebody in your family who's not in love with spicy food. You can make a dish, take some of it out, leave it plain and simple, and then keep going and spice up the rest. So, for instance, dredging fried chicken in a flour um, in a bowl of flour, some of which has been seasoned with just a little salt and pepper, and maybe the rest of it's been seasoned with cayenne and paprika and dry mustard. So you're making two batches of fried chicken, but it's the same recipe. And maybe there's a chili, and you have a vegetarian in your family, and you could make a, veg- a vegetable chili and separate part of it out, leave it vegetarian, and keep going and add chicken to the other pot. And that way you have a vegetarian chicken, a vegetarian chili and a chicken vegetable chili. Now, I've heard you say it may take 10 tries to familiarize picky eaters with new foods. What advice do you have for parents of picky eaters? Um, I definitely recommend serving new foods in small portions. A big slab of fish on a plate, for instance, is very intimidating. A couple of little pieces of shrimp, uh, shrimp or fish on a plate, much less intimidating. And if you're serving soup, for instance, put it in a little ramekin. Kids love cute little individualized containers. And don't try not to engage in that battle of control and that battle of the will because that's when, you know, that's when dinners become, you know, a real sort of clicking time bomb in in people's houses and everyone sort of feels like, oh, my gosh, you know. I mean, we grew up and there was a lot of you're going to sit at that table until you finish every last pee on your plate. And most of us as parents really don't want to be that kind of parent, but we also don't want to just be constantly reaching for the chicken nuggets because our kids aren't going to try something. So that's why it just takes this persistence because you sort of say, I'm asking you to take a taste. I really, you know, you need to try this. And then if they take a bite and they don't like it, you say, okay, we'll try it again another time. But you have to serve it another time. So that means that you can't just serve your kid broccoli once or twice and say, my kid doesn't like broccoli. It's kind of on you to put the broccoli on the table every, every month or so and give it another shot. And one day, one day, they just might eat that broccoli. So as the mom of a nine-year-old, for some reason, I have this idea stuck in my head that seafood is too sophisticated to make for dinner. And I love that you have five seafood recipes that are kid-tested. Absolutely. There's, yes, there's, there's actually more than five because there's five in the fish and seafood chapters, but there's some others sprinkled throughout. And, you know, people do think, my kids won't like this. And sometimes we even have fallen into that trap of saying to our kids, I don't think you're going to like this, but, you know, do you want to try my salmon? And that becomes, of course, a self-fulfilling prophecy. And the truth is there's plenty of mild fish out there that if, if, you know, kids sort of don't know they're not supposed to like fish. And often it can be the smell of a fish that's especially fishy that turns them off. So, you know, stick with cod, stick with tilapia, stick with salmon as you're starting, and use seasonings that they really like. My older son always, he just loves the flavor of balsamic vinegar. He always has. So the first time, you know, when he was young and I was making salmon, I would marinate it in a balsamic vinaigrette. And the balsamic vinegar, that nice, you know, rich, slightly sweet flavor, really, you know, 
cut through any you know perceived fishiness of the salmon, and it's one of his favorites. I mean, recently I did the same thing, but using Caesar salad dressing. I made a sort of Caesar blend and used that as a as a spread for the fish. And you just you know keep it simple and serve sauces on the side when you can, and you know, start with a real mild fish and make sure it's super fresh. On the sidebar of every recipe, you have two tips. What kids can do and make ahead. Well, what the kids can do, um, you know, somewhat self-explanatory, but it just really sort of breaks down the parts of the recipes where kids can get really involved. And every kid is different. You know, I've seen seven-year-olds who can wield a chef's knife, and I've seen 12-year-olds who have never opened a can of tuna fish. So, you know, only you know where your kid is you know, uh, you know, comfort-wise in the kitchen, and, of course, supervise, 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 especially when there's heat and knives involved. But, you know, pulling the leaves off of herbs is something even really little kids can do, and then older kids, you know, you start measuring, and, and then, you know, as they get older, they can, you know, start using the knife and the cutting board. And so there's just different different ideas, juicing limes and, you know, spreading on marinades and, you know, working the food processor with supervision. There's just different thoughts about how the kids can get engaged in the recipe. And um, in terms of the make-ahead, whenever there's anything to be made ahead, I am all for pulling that out and, and letting people know because so much of the dinnertime pressure revolves around that 6 o'clock scramble. And whatever you can do for yourself the night before or even in the morning, if you can find five minutes, that is, you know, you are going to be thanking yourself so hard when you get home at night. Moving on to bacon. You bake it. Why not fry it? To bake it, all you have to do is if you put a cooling rack, a wire cooling rack inside of a rimmed baking sheet, and you put the bacon strips across the cooling rack, bake it for at about 375 for 15, 20 minutes until it's as crispy as you like. You can, A, get more. You can get quite a number of strips going on one, in one baking sheet, um, the strips come out beautifully straight and gorgeous if you care about that for any reason. And um, there's less splattering. You're not, you, you don't have to have your hands on time at the stove. You could be doing something else while your bacon's busy crisping up in the oven. You don't have to clean up such a splattery mess. And, uh, and the fat drips off right into the pan. Breakfast, the most important and most rushed time of the day. Tell us about right. breakfast wraps, the choose-your-own-adventure breakfast. So you just you warm up some tortillas, flour or corn tortillas, whatever you like, scramble up some eggs, and then basically while you're scrambling up eggs, you're just putting out different things on the table, salsa or chopped up scallions, maybe some black beans, maybe, um, you know, if you had some shredded, you know, pork from the night before, maybe, you know, some, some slivered up bell peppers or if you have some cooked broccoli from the night before. And you can either put it on the table or you could just pull out these containers, sprinkle some cheese onto the scrambled eggs, maybe sprinkle, you know, if you if you baked some bacon the day before, crumble that up, throw it on, and just add whatever you like. Roll it up. It's a little tiny breakfast burrito. Do your kids have a favorite recipe in this cookbook? I get asked this so often, and I have to, and then I end up saying, like, 15 things because <laughs> they, have a, they have a lot of uh, favorite recipes. Um, they love um, they love the me- the Mexican uh, tortilla soup, the chicken soup. They love that and the udon soup. They really love those. They love the Asian sparrows. Um, they love the lo mein, and of course they love the ch- the buffalo chicken wings. And um, 
burgers, crab cakes. They actually loved. I was sort of surprised by that one a little bit. And then, you know, of course, the, you know, the chocolate cookies. I mean, the big chewy brownie cookies, you know, that is like, that's a very exciting moment when those come out of the oven. So last night for dinner, I made your recipe for Southwestern vegetarian black bean burgers. Oh, On page 166. I followed your make-ahead tip, and I made the patties the night before last, and I used the fork in the road tip, and I made the avocado crema. They were oh, great. Sweet. Oh, good. I'm so glad. I, I have to say I was on a little bit of a mission uh, to come up with a really good vegetarian burger. My sister is a vegetarian. She's raising her daughters as vegetarians, and my mother is a vegetarian. And I have watched them ingest numerous, numerous, numerous uh, vegetable burgers across this, you know, in restaurants across the country. And um, I have watched them be not quite so happy with most of them. So I was sort of trying to trying to come up with something I could send their way. And this was really moist. Usually veggie burgers are dry. And I'm not a vegetarian. I'm so glad. I'm so glad to hear that. Where can we find you on the web? So my website is themom100.com, the mom, the number 100.com. And that's where I blog. And uh, I sprinkled around the web, but that's where, that's where my site is. Thanks for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you for having me.